0: Game of Throne's, oh my God, and there's dragon watcher. You see them, keep... there's this Earth, fight scene, and like, guy really to this. I'm i your pool. fucking red wedding. I cannot
1: give you back your homes or restore your dead to life. But perhaps I can give you justice. In the name of Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Game of Thrones instant coffee review. I'm Christina. I'm Jason. Jason, are you still with us? No. I had to do the opening today, if you're not used to me coming in first, because Jason is in mourning for the death of the dragon.
0: You know, we have been talking about the fact that a dragon's going to die for seasons now, and I brought it up many times this season, and we even said it would be a nice dragon. I think I was subconsciously trying to soften the blow, so if it does happen, I'd be more prepared and able to take it in, but I'm not. I'm not.
1: And it wasn't even Drogon. It was Viserion.
0: I know. It doesn't matter what dragon. I think I say this in our Patreon page a lot. If it's an animal in a show or movie that's sick or dies, I'm way more affected than if it's a human.
1: I generally am too. But imagine if he would have gotten Drogon at the end of this episode, how much worse it would have been. Because he's really the one we're connected to by Danny being most connected. Of course,
0: yeah. But the way he screamed...
1: What about the way his brother screamed the when he went down? The blood coming out, the, the way his brother dragons. screamed, yeah. And every one of our characters just sitting there in horror. Danny looked like she had lost a piece of herself. Really great acting in that moment.
0: I love the way John reacted. So pissed off. I was like, oh shit.
1: I thought he was going after the Night King in that moment. He was so upset. Yeah. And I think he would have if those two whites hadn't tackled him. I think that's what his purpose was. But let's slow it down. We haven't even said we're reviewing episode six. Beyond the wall.
0: I'm really, you know, with the risk of everyone emailing us saying how uh, much of a softy I am to keep it PG, I am very affected by this. This is...
1: <laughs> it was an emotional episode. My initial reactions are just to say, wow, wow, wow. My mind is blown. We went through a roller coaster of emotions. There was character stuff going on. We were excited, confused. There were battle moments that felt heroic where I was cheering. For our yeah. group and thinking how badass they looked. There were moments where I was afraid everyone was going to die. You flip so quickly because Danny swoops in with the dragons and you're you're yelling in excitement. She's yeah, saving the day. She's definitely. torching the whites, and only a few minutes later a dragon's brought down and we're upset.
0: My heart was beating so fast.
1: But I just have to say, at the risk of getting a lot of people coming at me, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm gonna think on this for the full review cast my first reactions are that this is the best episode Game of Thrones has ever had in seven seasons. And I say best, not because we're left with a warm and fuzzy feeling, but this is so quintessential Game of Thrones. It's everything we've been waiting for all season. It's not all good, it's bittersweet. But it was everything packed into one episode from the beginning where we get some amazing dialogue between our characters. Things we've been wanting them to talk about for years and seasons at a time to the action, the spectacle. It was all here.
0: Oh, for sure. It was all there. And it just emotionally brings you on a journey of your own. We had funny in the beginning. Yeah. We also had them just giving us answers to all of our questions, like (laughs) here, 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 here. We don't even have time. Here are the answers. We're not going to hide it from you anymore. Dragons. So (laughs) I I really enjoyed this episode. I don't think I want to watch it again, though. I don't want to relive that feeling.
1: I really enjoyed it. You know that one of my favorite parts, I can't wait to see the Whites and the White Walkers on screen. I've been waiting for that a long time, as much as I hate them and I don't want to lose our characters. I think the most cinematic, climactic moments, the parts where we really get to the heart of the storyline here are scenes where we're fighting them and we're learning about them. So without putting too much thought into it, I believe my favorite episode prior to this was the battle at Castle Black, the battle at the wall. And I know that was more about fighting the wildlings, but it did feel like we were getting a bit closer to the core. And now I'm going to say, I think this one, it was directed by Alan Taylor who is a Game of Thrones veteran. He's done The North Remembers, The Prince of Winterfell, Faelor Morghulis, and written by the Double Ds. The areas that were covered in the episode were Dragonstone, Winterfell, East Watch, North of the Wall, and a small clip at sea. For this instant, I think we're only going to talk about stuff North of the Wall. This is where the primary action happened. We will get into Winterfell and Dragonstone in our full review cast later on this week.
0: I sat down prepared for an epic episode. Game of Thrones, always the second to last episode, they kick your ass. I don't think I was very prepared for how much they were going to kick my ass on this one. (laughs) But we did know that horrible decision last episode to go north of the wall again, even though we hated it so much we knew it would make for good TV, and
1: it did. It did, and we weren't quite sure, because the format had changed this year, as you said Episode 9, the penultimate, has always been the really big one. It's the part where we experience the big character death. We get a lot of action. So we wondered, would that stay the same in the episode 6 this year? It most definitely did, but I thought it was going to be a lot worse for the major characters they were going to take away from us. I really expected to lose a Tormund, a Jorah, if not multiples. I thought they might leave the episode on a cliffhanger, not knowing if Jon Snow makes it back from north of the Wall. So while it was truly impactful to have a dragon taken away from us, I think I was anticipating much worse. And that's why emotionally I was kind of okay with it.
0: I'm just going to say this now and it's out of order. But I I do want to say that the Night King and his White Walkers, his major players, are losers. (laughs) (laughs) They're scaredy cats. They don't fight the fights. They watch as their little beings fight for them. And the one time that they have to fight because they're surprised, the dude dies right away.
1: He was taken down pretty easily by Jon Snow's like, you're
0: my bitch. I, I don't respect them.
1: I think they know what their vulnerabilities are. So like you said, the white army is kind of like a human buffer, if you want to call these undead humans. They put it in between them and their enemies so that they don't get taken down so easily because they do have more weak spots with the dragon glass and the Valyrian steel being able to take them down.
0: I don't give a shit. <laughs> They're losers. Fight your own fights.
1: Well, he did against the dragon. And no, that aim, he did. That aim was
0: like no one even saw them.
1: Crazy impressive, right? The distance he was throwing that ice spear from it just
0: makes me hate him even more.
1: Well, you're talking about it, so let's get into our segment. We have to recognize the deaths for this episode.
0: I'm so pissed off.
1: We lost some, we believe, free folk, the random people that were part of our crew, the major seven. In addition to that, there was a couple of extra men who we lost. Thoros, Uncle Benjamin, and Viserion.
0: So I was right about Uncle Benjen being there. I mean, it was kind of obvious they're going north to the wall again.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know if I expected him to come in again at such a crucial moment to save another Stark.
0: And Thoros, you brought this up. Now that he's gone, does that mean the Red Witch is back? Well, will be back?
1: Yeah, I actually thought he was least likely to lose because I thought you needed him around for narrative purposes to be able to bring back other characters. I was a little shocked at first when we lost him, but as the episode unfolded, They really got you to see, it seems like it's Beric who has the mission from the Lord of Light and Thoros was just bringing him back so he could complete this mission. So that makes sense. And now I feel like we do need another priest here and that will signal at some point Melisandre coming back. I don't think we see her until next season though.
0: Do you think she'll come back with like new powers? Like she's been training?
1: Oh yeah, she was going to Volantis. I think she was going to hook back up with some other red priests and priestesses.
0: They should all come. And we were saying, if I'm gonna be all over the place, I'm just emotional. You're gonna have to deal <laughs> it's with it.
1: Okay, it's an instant cast.
0: When they were stuck on that island, Rock Island, we were saying, if they only had two or three children of the forest there to throw their fire, mm. they could have just picked them off. You know, that whole circle around them just kept picking them off. Well, if we have a gang of red priests and priestesses.
1: Priestesses. <laughs>
0: But hopefully they'll come back with some powers. They can throw some fire. Maybe they can throw a fire spear, throw it right at the Night King.
1: Any way of manipulating fire, we were a little surprised. I know this plan was half-baked and they came out north pretty quick. Didn't seem like they had dragonglass with them, even though they just spent a ton of time mining that from Dragonstone. Or at the very least, the ability to have fire, because they all know the whites are... Susceptible to fire, very susceptible. It's really the only thing that brings them down. So we noticed the men of the Night's Watch carry the flaming torches. Why don't they have a couple of those? Anything to create fire fire to protect themselves. Uh, That seemed a little insane.
0: Okay, question. Well, question after I preach a little bit. Okay, we've been saying to ourselves, why is it taking the walkers so long to get to the wall? They weren't that far away. It seems like they're doing a lot of waiting around. When Mm -hmm. Bran came with the birds, they were all standing there. Yeah. But we have also been saying that we believe that the Night King has green sight. Yes. So he can see things. So that means he saw this happening and he wanted an ice dragon. So he was waiting for them, right?
1: I 100% subscribe to that. This was a plan on his part.
0: We had planned, the humans had planned on surrounding a white and capturing them. And then he surrounds us and essentially was going to capture us. And he was waiting for the dragons to come.
1: He took our cruise plan and made it better and used it for them. Instead of catch a white, they did catch a dragon.
0: And now he's doing how to train a dragon. Prick. So (laughs) why don't we have Bran helping us out? Why didn't Bran say, don't go north of the wall, dude. And you could say he didn't go to Winterfell to talk to Bran. He didn't need to because Bran should know that he's about to do this.
1: And they've been sending ravens back and forth. And time and distance doesn't seem to be as big of a factor anymore. I definitely think if you have the Night King and his green site working for that side, we have that person. We have Bran. I know he's not fully trained yet and he's not totally understanding the visions he's getting, but I thought he would be more a part of it for our side now by this point. But... I don't want to go too quick over your point of why are they waiting north of the wall instead of marching. I think that's definitely an issue. They wanted this. They're building up their army. They've been reanimating more undead, so their army's bigger. They wanted a dragon. But we also wonder, can they move past the wall? Can they keep going south? Is there anything stopping them? We had questioned, does the magic on the wall stop them? Originally, we had thought Bran might break that or disrupt it by passing, but it didn't seem like that happened. Last time we brought up the theory, maybe there's actually dragon glass in the wall that could keep them from passing through. We got another really great theory the other day from Warren, who wrote to say, when Sam looks in the restricted section, the book is open to a diagram of a total eclipse. Maybe the whites can only go past the wall in the total darkness of an eclipse. What say you?
0: I like that. And it's kind of apropos because this Monday, oh, tomorrow, snap. We're supposed to have a total eclipse.
1: Oh my God, (laughs) I didn't even think of that. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, I also said, and I have to look more into this, I don't remember the details about it, but if you are a book reader, we've been talking a lot about what is the criteria for the prince that was promised, if you go back to prophecy. And part of it was something like being reborn under the red star or the fiery star, which in book universe, a lot of the characters thought meant a meteor. And so they were looking for people that had been born when that was passing through the sky. But what if it's a solar eclipse? Hmm. You know, when it goes behind and you get that fiery I like that kind of ring around it. So a lot of mystical significance, maybe stuff that comes along with the stars, the changing of the season, things that the maesters of the citadel maybe have some idea about. If you look at the way they're tracking the seasons, the astrolabe that they use, how they're keeping course of things. I think that could have a a bigger purpose in our story, and maybe it does affect the White Walkers and how and when they are able to move. The other thing is last time we talked a lot about what the motivations could be, the fact that there is this Lord of Light religion which seems to represent the fire side, and where could this other side come in? Do the White Walkers subscribe to a religion? What would that be? I had kind of forgotten the details of this religion. I knew there was also another god called the Great Other, And Eric wrote in to remind us about that. This religion based around R'hllor is actually a dualistic faith, meaning it involves two ancient beings or gods. They are R'hllor, the god of fire and light, and the Great Other, the god of cold and darkness, and the creator of White Walkers. So basically R'hllor and the Great Other are two sides of the same religion. So he thinks that could completely track with what we've been saying, that they subscribe to that side, the White Walkers, follow the great other.
0: Two sides of the religion. So like God and the
1: devil. Basically, yes. Light and darkness. They also talked a lot about in the books that people who subscribe to this religion also believed all of the other religions had a version of the great other. Death, darkness. They just didn't realize it was all the same thing. So the many-faced God had their version, a God that was responsible for death. There had to be a balance in the world. How many people died? Who died? The Faith of the Seven had the Stranger as one of their seven, and nobody wanted to worship him because he was responsible for death. So they thought this was all basically a reflection of this one religion that boiled down to two gods, Relor and the Great Other.
0: I like that. Well, it makes sense. Last week, we were talking about walkers. I was saying, I think they were doing some kind of religious ceremony. Yeah. And now that the dragons are back, that's the power of the other god?
1: R'lore, yeah, the fire god.
0: So John would be the night king, quote unquote, for R'hllor?
1: It seems like he's one of the chosen. Beric talks about that a lot in this episode, the meaning behind their faith. What are they doing? Because John says he doesn't understand this lord of light. He's never spoken to him before. He doesn't know what he wants. And Beric says, I've been thinking about that a lot because I don't really either. I don't think we ever get to know his full purpose. We just know that, yes, the enemy always wins in the end, but we still have to fight him. And that makes sense when death is the enemy. Yeah. You can never fully escape it. And the White Walkers, the Great Other, are a representation of that. All we can do is keep fighting it and do our best to protect others. And that makes a lot of sense to John. And by the way, this episode title, The Things Beric is Saying About Death is the Enemy, also have some biblical shades to them. And we'll get more into that in the full review podcast. So as long as we're talking about it, the opening couple of scenes north of the wall involve some really important conversations you said they come at you real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Thoros and Gendry talk a little bit about the fact that he was sold to Melisandre. I think just bringing up that idea, get us thinking about her again. Jon and Jorah had this amazing moment about Longclaw. Jon tries to give it back to Jorah and tells him, really, it belongs to him. Your, your father, He thought you were never coming back to Westeros, but you did. And I thought for a minute my sister was going to yeah. be right. <laughs> for a half a second she was, but Jorah gives it back. He says he doesn't deserve it.
0: Is John the only one that has the correct sword to kill a white?
1: I was thinking about that. I think he's the only one of this group that ranged north who has Valyrian steel. But there are quite a few interesting weapons that they're using. You have Gendry with his Warhammer, which he gives to the Hound when he has to run back to the wall. That seems pretty effective. You have Beric and Thoros both with their flaming swords. I didn't know they both had the ability to do that, and I still can't quite figure it out. It looks like it's just magic from the Lord because they just run their hand on it.
0: Wait, I just had a thought, and I have to interrupt you. This season we have talked about the Scorpion Ballista, and I thought that was the end of it. But now, if we do get Cersei on our side, we will need the Scorpion Ballista. We will need Gendry. To use the dragon glass to create a huge fucking spear. And that's how to we're going to have to shoot the ice dragon down.
1: And you still might need his warhammer to crack the Night King armor. Oh, for sure. So these things we didn't know how they would figure back in. Maybe they still do.
0: I'm not even worried about the Night King anymore because they're all little punks. It's the dragon I'm worried about.
1: No, but we have to be worried about the Night King. Beric really... Beric's calling out a lot of super important stuff in this episode. He realizes at some point... Actually, I think it's Jorah first who realizes that each White Walker has reanimated a certain amount of whites.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. So when
1: Jon takes down the White Walker, this is the first time we've seen all the whites with him crumble.
0: Horrible analogy, but right away, because I'm such a dork, it reminded me of Independence Day.
1: Yes. It
0: was the same concept.
1: The mothership. You take down the main leader and the rest go down. Maybe people are going to say that's a little easy, but how else are you going to do it?
0: So the dragon would go down.
1: It makes sense. The The White Walkers are the brains. They're the ones that have animated through necromancy. These are just undead. It's a shambling army. The power is the White Walkers. But Beric points out later, yeah, but all you really need to do is go after that guy because he reanimated all of them. Take down the Night King, game over. Here's the issue. We've been saying we think the Night King's going to be different. That which takes out other White Walkers might not take him out.
0: They should have just yelled to the Night King, Oi, stop being a bitch. You versus Jon, right now. Everyone else, have some popcorn and let's end it right now. I
1: really thought when the dragon went down and Jon was about to go after him. Here's my concern. It seems like this has repeated. These events, this history has been going on for a long time. The Night King assembles... His White Walkers, he creates them through these babies, the ritualistic thing we've seen. Then they build up an undead army and they start marching south. But it feels like the Night King himself keeps surviving through these battles somehow. So they're able to take out everyone else, but maybe just push him back, hurt him, send him back north or something. He takes his time to rebuild the army again. So can he even be killed?
0: I don't know. Or is there even just one Night King? Mm. One of our Clatchers, Chris, on Twitter, sent us a photo of that cave carving with the walkers. And he wrote, is this an Easter egg? Night's King has a beard, but our Night's King does not. And I've been staring at it and staring at it. And it's true. That Night King has a beard. Either the Night King shaves, which I doubt. Still
1: kind of looks like him, though. I mean,
0: the only thing that looks like him is the the horns.
1: Right. That's specific to him, though. I don't think the other White Walkers have that.
0: Yeah, but if you're a king...
1: And he also wears kind of different armor. There's
0: no armor in these guys.
1: Okay. Not even on the main one?
0: No clothes at all. No tops. It's a boy band.
1: Well, so yeah, I mean, this could just be him changing over time if he has survived throughout history. Or, like you said, it could be different leading White Walkers if they're being brought up by the religion, by the great other, that god. Maybe he just needs one representation of a leader and it doesn't really matter.
0: Well, I'm wondering if they existed well before this one was created and they had been extinct or what do you want to call it and the children of the forest knew about them, knew about the history of them and used their magic to recreate a White Walker. So it wasn't like an invention by them.
1: Right, right. They just tried to mimic it. And what? To fight the humans? I believe so. That sucks. At that time. If that's the case.
0: We're just making this up. We may be wrong. I'm very emotional right now. <laughs> well, <so. laughs> there's,
1: uh, nobody really knows yet. We're, we are finding every time we see them on screen, we do find out a little bit more about what's going on here. And I thought that was really interesting. Before we move off of the dialogue conversations, you got some good humor between Tormund and the Hound. I loved their conversation about Brienne. How I, love wants to make I love Tormund. I love the Hound. Babies. Oh,
0: so good. <laughs> when they talk, it's always funny, and it was great. It was kind of like uh, Game of Thrones, petting us a little bit before they punched us.
1: And I thought they were building us up to remind us how much we love Tormund because he was going to be taken. It really seemed towards the end of that battle like they were going to get Tormund. Yep. But the Hound finally steps up, stepped in because he really was not having a great episode tonight. First, he freezes up against the undead bears then he's doing some dumb shit throughout the entire episode like throwing the rock on the ice and that's how the whites figure it out what an idiot and you knew that was going to happen oh he was
0: just you're like stop throwing those rocks
1: (laughs) he was acting like an asshole the whole time
0: as you said bears it's one bear thank god it was only one bear
1: oh yeah i couldn't tell i I thought originally they said it was a pack but only one came at them it it was so hard to see. Everything was happening quickly, and I think they were doing this on purpose. You didn't even really know who the bear was attacking at first. Yeah, I think they wanted you to be scared, which one of our characters is going to go. The fight later that they had against the whites on the rock was a lot of confusion who was being taken down. But, yeah, the Hound has his own PTSD moment when faced with this bear that's on fire, and he freezes up much like Theon did. And that's really interesting because we've talked about the two of them and what they've been through. And even Tormund was bringing that up earlier in the episode. What happened to you? Did you fall into a fire when you were younger? <laughs> oh, you got pushed. Is that why you're so angry? But he kind of calls him out and says, I know that's not true under that. You have sad eyes. There's more to your story. And one more thing, Barrick has a brief line that he slips in there that John doesn't look like his father. He says, you must favor your mother. That was another fan service. Oh, boy, how well do you guys know? Favor your mother, who's not Catelyn Stark. So, yeah, we start out. First, the group fights the bear. Thoros gets gravely injured. That's part of what leads to his death later on, I think, because even after Beric heals him, kind of, it looks like he cauterized the wound with his flaming sword. He looks horrible from that point until when he finally dies from, I guess, a combination of freezing to death and succumbing to his wounds. Then they find this smaller white pack, which is where they figure out about John killing the White Walker, taking down the others, and they send Gendry running yeah. back to the wall.
0: So we knew that the hound would end up with the hammer because we saw it in the preview. We discussed that. Thank God it wasn't that Gendry died. He went running. for He went for a long jog in the Gendry freezing cold. Gendry
1: ran his ass off. I know we're always having difficulty with this time thing. I don't know how he got to the wall. They sent a raven to Dany at Dragonstone. She flies back up. Now, they were making it a point this episode to show you the passing of time because from the time that Jon and crew get stranded on that rock, they're there the whole rest of the day into the night, which is when Gendry gets to the wall. They send the raven and all into the next day when the Whites finally realize the ice is frozen again. Was still a little bit unrealistic, but I thought they were making the effort here. Yeah. And I was so enthralled what was going on that I didn't really care. I just don't care.
0: I don't care. What I do care about is the fact that they shouldn't have to send ravens. Gendry shouldn't have had to run. They should have just said out loud, Bran,
1: let Danny
0: know. (laughs) And not even send a raven. Take a raven in your brain. Go over there.
1: But it's unreliable. You don't know what brand's going to get and when. How much of the vision is he going to see? He's not skilled enough in this yet.
0: Brand needs to be a DVR.
1: He needs to work on his shit quick. Because if he's not here to help he's now no help in these right now. moments, this, no is, this is when he's supposed to be able to help us, right?
0: Where was the giant? I was waiting for the giant.
1: Yeah, we didn't see. This couldn't have been the whole army, I don't think. It seemed like a large portion of it that did encircle them. And maybe they need to take some time building back their army now because after this fight, they did lose a lot of whites, But they gained a dragon. Yes, they did. Back it up for a second. The group was encircled. They're out on this rock overnight. I don't know how they all didn't die from cold. They didn't have a fire or anything. Again, just no, nothing with you, the ability to make a fire if you have to stay the night. What kind of a plan was that?
0: We saw in the beginning of the episode that they had a wagon and it was probably rations for food. But, but it didn't I would have, have dragon had- glass?
1: Didn't have fire?
0: I guess not. They're just...
1: You know what you're facing. They've... John has seen it. He tells us that all the time and they had no plan for how to last out here or if they encountered... They know they don't travel alone. But anyhow, they don't freeze to death. Only Thoros. They discuss how they might possibly take them down, whether that's the walkers, as Jorah suggests. By the way, Jorah is proving he has such a good strategic mind. I'm glad to have him back on the scene and assisting our main characters. For sure. He kept his cool the whole time. He was great in a fight. He had some good plans. Beric says he thinks they need to target the Night King, but Jon keeps telling him, you don't get it. The Night King is different. Danny is our only hope now. <laughs> and at that line, you had to know it was going to come down Dragons. to her... Saving them, which I said last episode, I can't believe. Maybe this was obvious. What if Danny just has to come flying in with her dragon yeah. and save them? But I didn't think this was that main part yet that we had gotten to, where it's a showdown between dragons and whites. Yeah, we
0: get the three dragons, but Danny needs to practice with them because I feel like with three dragons flying around, they should have been able to wipe out that whole crowd in two passes each. They should have been able to just knock them
1: out. Well, and they didn't know to go after the White Walkers. Maybe they should have gone right into the White Walkers. Can fire take them out? We don't think so, right? But Dragonfire. I don't know about Dragonfire.
0: At least slow them down. At least melt those goddamn spears.
1: Instead of doing (laughs) all that, they would have just had to go over that one group of five who was all in the same spot and burn them. But they were trying their best. They did really well here. So yeah, the group, it looks like they're done for. I like that you have them fighting at first. They're showing each of them how badass they are. You have the hound swinging the war hammer. You have Jorah who looks like he only has a dagger and he's got to get in close and he's just stabbing people. I don't remember. You have Beric fighting with his flaming sword, cutting through people. And there's a point where they fall back to the edge of the rock and Jon stops The volume gets turned down. There's no more music. Everything is quiet. It's moving in slow motion. And you can see he's looking around at each one of the characters. They're looking back at him terrified. And it's a realization this is the end. At the end of that moment, John picks picks up his sword. And it's like he's saying, I know this is my death. I'm ready. Let's go out fighting. And that's as soon as that happens, when Danny swoops in, the music (laughs) swells. (laughs) So cool. This really inspiring music. The dragons are torching everything the way the fire was going through the ice and tearing up that frozen lake. Visually amazing.
0: Very well done. This whole scene was very well done.
1: She lands. Danny lands with Drogon to get the rest of the crew up onto his back.
0: I was yelling, don't land the goddamn dragon.
1: But how is she going to save them? Just wipe them all out. Fire. Breath everything, then pick him up. I think she's having the other two continue to circle. You see them in the background, yeah. just as you were saying to do. Keep the fire burning while Drogon lands, real quick. Group gets up on his back. If the group had complied with this,
0: yeah. they would have been you fine. Mean if John complied?
1: John, I know he was trying to fight off the one white that was getting closer to them, but then he kept actually running further and further away. To hit the next whites that were coming when he could have just jumped up onto the back. Okay, he was trying to protect them. I get it. In the meantime, you see the men climbing up, Drogon torching any whites that are getting close. It was a good plan. Yeah, it was. But John can't get up there quick enough. Mm. He gets tackled by two whites. And Danny has an emotional moment. Now, if she would have left right here, maybe everything would have been okay. She's waiting to try to save John. And that's when Viserion, who's not looking, torching the whites, gets taken from behind. The Night King orders his other walker to gear up an ice spear. He throws it. They have the best aim ever, magical ice spears. We didn't know what that would do to a dragon. Now, A, it obviously kills very easily.
0: Yeah, so much blood.
1: So much blood coming out. We talked before about how it was a horrific moment. Everybody was devastated from the other dragons to our crew. Danny, most of all, but John as well. Because at that moment, he turns and he is so angry. He's ready to kill every white, yep. every walker. He starts to go at them and he sees they're loading up another spear. Yep. And that's when he turns to Danny and just says, Leave, get the F out of here. And I'm screaming the same thing at her from behind my TV. <laughs> and I was afraid she wasn't going to make it. She takes off and he does launch one at Drogon.
0: And thank God Drogon learned his lesson from the scorpion. And he turned right at last minute. Good
1: maneuvers. Oh. You saw the visuals were so realistic here What he was taking off the ground, but the weight of it, it was hard for him initially to get up. He had to push off yep. with his legs. Everything just He was panicked. Amazing. He was panicked, but also just it's hard for a dragon to get up yeah. initially when they're that heavy.
0: Why don't they use their tail? We've seen the tail. It's got a club on it.
1: He could have swatted that guy, right?
0: Well, he could have, like, John didn't need to be there. He could have been firing.
1: Oh, to pick him up.
0: Oh, no, I meant, like, he could have been swinging from the left to right. And John didn't need to go out there and keep fighting the walkers. He could have just climbed up.
1: Yeah, or I was thinking he could have swatted that white walker who was gearing up the ice spear. Oh,
0: I think he was too far away.
1: Just knocked him out. (laughs) If the fire doesn't do it, just freaking knock him out. So, yeah, the way that ends is they take off. They're all safe.
0: Can we talk about how dope Danny looked in her new outfit?
1: Oh, that was amazing. She was looking
0: like Conor McGregor. She was like, this is Minx.
1: Well, we were all, how are they going to get ready for winter? They're not even dressed for it. Here you go, this episode. She's ready, and we will talk more about Dragonstone next time. But um, she's done listening to people. She knew Jon was in trouble. She's not hearing anything about it. She went off to save him. Tyrion, this
0: was your plan, asshole. Didn't you? You wanted him to ride. You thought that was the time. I
1: thought he was going to hop on. Yeah. If this is the end of Assyrian, you have to figure John at some point is going to ride Rhaegal because of the name connection. Right. His father being Rhaegar. I didn't see how that would fit for Tyrion, but if there's a third dragon left, yeah. this is a moment for him to ride it.
0: So I don't think he'll ever become a dragon rider now. And looking back on it, we kept saying that third name, that third dragon doesn't make sense as far as names go. Yeah. But now it does make sense because it will now be ridden by the Night King. Well,
1: there are three riders. They're just not three of our side. It's not three good guys. We didn't know. This goes back to prophecy, right? You can't interpret that. The third one that's going to ride it is the Night King. We had another theory from Ryan who wrote in to say the third dragon rider will not be Tyrion. It doesn't make sense. He wrote this before the episode, by the way. I think the third rider is a Targaryen and he is the Night King. He's going to kill one of the three dragons, which becomes an ice dragon, and he rides it because he has Targaryen blood. We know he was once human, and many people think he was a Stark, but I think that's too obvious. Now, that's really cool. Way to call the prediction on them taking down the dragon. I always kind of thought we would see an ice dragon on the show, as we heard about in the books. The way they described it in the novels, the ice dragons were said to roam the Shivering Sea in the white waste. They were larger than the dragons of Valyria and made out of living ice with pale blue eyes, vast translucent wings, and very cold breath that would instantly freeze people or things solid, the exact opposite of a dragon with their fire, so he would burn cold, icy breath instead of fire. This theory about why the Night King can ride him I don't know if we're going to get that human background or if it's the same thing that you would have to be a Targaryen to ride this dragon. I think anything that dies just becomes the Night King's property because it's dead and they're raising it, resurrecting it from the dead through the power of this great other who controls death. So I don't think the lineage or any of that matters anymore. He controls him because he brought him back. Well, the last thing we have to talk about here... Danny and everyone else takes off. John is left here. It seems like he's really screwed. He's taken under the icy water. But at that point, once everyone leaves, they think they have them all. The White Walkers start to lead the Horde away. That's when we see John pop out of the ice and we think, well, maybe he's safe from the Horde now because they're leaving.
0: Well, when she was flying away and John was taken down into the water, I was like, okay, so our prediction was John survives, Danny dies. Maybe it's Danny survives and John dies. And then you had mentioned that I said he has to die one more time.
1: Yeah. But I was worried because if he died here, there's no one to bring him back. No. Thoris is gone. Melisandre's nowhere close by. Uh, but I didn't think he was dying in this moment. I, I just, was pretty confident. I, I was
0: dying in this moment. So anything was possible at that point.
1: They just took a dragon from <laughs> us. I didn't think so close on the heels of that John would die alone with no one else present by slipping under icy water. It's just... Not the way I think John's going to go out. The surprising part was when he came back out of the water, the Horde noticed him. I thought his big struggle here would be he's frozen to death now. He's got hypothermia. He's all alone. How does he get back to the wall? But the Horde starts coming after him too, and poor, dumb, brave John can't even move. He's ready to bring up his sword again (laughs) and go out fighting because that's all he has left to him now. And who comes in to save the day? Uncle Benji.
0: And he even says, Uncle Benji.
1: Oh, this man. He saved uh, the Stark children from some pretty rough spots.
0: Yeah, and I think he was ready to go because he said there's no time. He was like, come with me. There's no time. There was plenty of time. He'd just jump on the goddamn horse.
1: He's been half dead forever. His only purpose left, I think, was to help save these Stark children. And he did. He gives him the horse, sends him off.
0: He's using that badass weapon that reminds me of church growing up.
1: Yeah, Where the, the priest the walks by
0: and like... Uh, smoke is coming out of it. I was like, oh.
1: Our crew could use some of those too.
0: Yeah, but you saw that it's not good against when you're surrounded.
1: Too many. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's overtaken, so I think that is the official end of Uncle Benjen. And then we see later, back at Eastwatch, Danny's not ready to go and give up on John. She's watching from the top of the wall, surveying that tree line so intently. Even Jorah is telling her it's time to go. And then... The Night's Watch horn blows one blast for a ranger returning. And I was waiting. You know, you Hmm. always wait after the first blast to see, will there be two? Will there be three? Two was wildlings attacking and three was white walkers. So we got the one where we see John is slumped over the horse. It looks terrible.
0: Well, he was just in a big fight. Then he was in icy cold water and then on a horse soaking wet for a long trip.
1: Realistically, he should have died and I have to say by the end of this episode, I'm not convinced he's out of the woods.
0: Really? I was. I was thinking, how does this dude still look hot?
1: Yeah, He's well, like, <laughs> it's John the Unkillable. Look at me, I'm
0: sexy as fuck and I've been frozen.
1: We see his stab wounds, which is pretty amazing for the first time. They still look like not Fresh. healed properly, yeah. kind of open, and, and she gets sight of that, so that's going to go somewhere next time. They have their moment, which we will talk about in our full review podcast, what could be going on between John and Danny. At first, it's, it's clearly very affectionate and loving. He's actually agreeing to bend the knee finally. Yeah. Thinks she's going to be a good leader. Something was passing between them, though. In the last moment, they're holding hands. He's telling her, my men will follow you. They will believe in you. She's saying, I hope I can deserve it. Holding hands throughout all of this. She then goes to kind of pull away, and he squeezes her tight. Yeah, I've had a couple of different thoughts about this. I don't know if she just got nervous that she's emotionally vulnerable in this moment and afraid to let herself go with John. That's what I think it is. That's what I thought at first. Then I thought, is she sensing something is not quite right here? Not that she knows they're related, but on some level she feels like "Eh, something. But then I rewound it and watched it again. And throughout the end of this conversation as she's talking to John, his eyes are getting more and more glassy. He's not blinking. He almost looks dead for a minute, like totally blank stare. I think she might have gotten scared looking at him like, oh, he's not out of the woods yet. I, and then she says, let me get, let you get some rest.
0: Maybe. I like what they did with the lighting. When she spoke, there was certain scenes where there was a little bit of a red tint on her. And then with John, there was blue.
1: Yeah. Reinforcing that. And, uh, you know, maybe he's not still safe. I don't know when and if that second death comes, what it's going to look like. But I was certainly scared for him by the end of that scene. And the last one to talk about is that last scene north of the wall. Cut back to the White Army, and they have giant chains.
0: Okay, I'm very upset about this. Well, one, visually amazing. The way they stunning. had the dragon being pulled up, and the way they had the the body moving, it looked so real.
1: Flopped back onto the ice once they got yeah. it up. You felt the weight of him? You did. Even those chains, they weren't real. Everything looked stunning.
0: But this is what pisses me off, and I'm not one to always talk about this doesn't make sense in a show or a movie. But I'm saying this because I'm very upset that he's turning into a bad guy. Mm. So <laughs> how do they have those chains, first of all? Those look like titanic t- chains. <laughs> I know. Right? Where
1: did they come from?
0: And what did they do? How did they go down there? Because walkers can't swim.
1: They last under the water because we did see some of them fall in. And then when they popped up to grab first Torment and then later John. They just popped up out of that water, so it's not killing them being under there.
0: Yeah, but I don't think they can swim.
1: They must kind of be able to if they got it. They'd have
0: to be able to swim all the way down to the bottom with these big-ass chains and wrap it around a dragon.
1: Maybe a White Walker can? A giant? One of the undead giants? And then pull it up. Well, you're going to get caught up in those logistics? I mean, No,
0: because I want (laughs) the Night King to look at it and be like, oh, we can't get it.
1: Well, he's not. Clearly, they're pulling him out. Let me tell you something that might make you feel better, okay? Because I feel the same way. Now they have an ice dragon on their side. This makes them even more lethal than they already were. You know you're going to have a showdown.
0: Yeah, that makes me feel better.
1: Between the ice dragon and the fire dragon. There was a Reddit theory from the real Rob Monty who says, how do we kill an ice dragon? His opinion, Drogon will kill Viserion with fire. Because if you think back to the history, Drogo... Danny's first husband, mm-hmm. who she named Drogon after, killed her brother Viserion with fire, with molten fire. Yep, which is the way he got around killing him in the city of Dothrak, where they're not supposed to shed any blood. So he melts down his golden chain that he's going to give him, his necklace and crown or whatever, and he pours it over his head. Right. So will Drogon be the one
0: to take down
1: Viserion? Well, now his brother's an enemy, but maybe he could do it. Maybe it's not impossible.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't want to see this fight now because we're going to lose another dragon. I don't want
1: to lose Drogon. No. If anything, like I say, he's the one we're most connected to. A badass battle would be cool if he won. But if that's how we lose him, I really don't want it at all. Yeah. Yeah well Jason there is so much more to say we didn't even cover every area
0: we got to talk about Arya in the next cast the way she was acting we have to dissect that in that
1: scene we got
0: to figure that out
1: I have a couple of thoughts about that I'll save them for next time at first I wondered was it even her then I wondered is she taking on so many faces that she's losing bits of Arya each time
0: I hope that I'm more emotionally stable for the next podcast
1: a lot to get into in Winterfell, and we have to go back to the conversation between Danny and Tyrion at Dragonstone before she left, because there was a lot of important dialogue happening there too. And you know, as usual, we will have some background for you to fill in the other topics.
0: Follow us on Twitter at CKC Podcast. We right now have a poll up for the most valuable bannerman. We have one, John, two, Danny, and Drogon.
1: We combine them for you this time. So if you wanted to vote for Drogon. This is a combined vote here. Either way, cast it for number two.
0: Three, the Night King, a.k.a. Bitch Boy, and four, Gendry. Cast your vote, and we'll talk about it in the next episode.
1: This was intense. Sorry if we skipped around all over the place, guys. We had a lot of thoughts. Ultimately, I think this was an epic episode of Game of Thrones. We're going to wrap our heads around it a little bit, maybe watch it one more time. At least I will do some research, and we'll be coming back to you later on this week with our full review podcast and Clatcher's Comments.
0: Tell your friends about us. Spread the word. Until next cast, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.